book six chapter fourteen of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox the heavenly twins by sarah g chapter fourteen a medical man who does not keep his moral responsibility before him in the consideration of a case must be a very indifferent practitioner and with regard to evadne i felt mine to such an extent that before the interview was over i had decided that i was not the proper person to treat her i doubted my judgment for one thing which showed that for once my nerve was at fault and i had other reasons which it is not necessary to give i therefore determined to run up to town to consult sir shadwell rock about her he was a distinguished colleague and personal friend of mine a man of vast experience and many years my senior and i knew that if he would treat her she could not be in better hands when i left as you like it i found that i had just time to drive to morning quest and catch the last train to town it was a four hours journey but fortunately there was a train in the early morning which would bring me back in time for my own work i knew sir shadwell was in town and telegraphed to him to beg him to see me that night at half-past eleven if he possibly could and on arriving i found him at home very much at home indeed in a smoking jacket and slippers over a big fire in his own private sanctum enjoying his bachelor ease with a cigarette and the last shilling shocker i apologized for my untimely visit but he put me at my ease at once by cordially assuring me that i had done him a favor i was going to a boring big dinner this evening when your telegram arrived and your coming in this way suggested something sufficiently important to detain me so i sent an excuse and have had a wholesome chop and a a real good time he added confidentially tapping the novelette extraordinary production this really most entertaining i can't guess who did it you know i can't indeed but my dear boy to what do i owe the pleasure what can i do for you first of all give me a wholesome chop if you have another in the house for i am famishing oh a thousand pardons for my remissness he exclaimed ringing the bell vehemently of course you haven't dined i ought to have thought of that something very important i suppose a most interesting case mental yes a lady well not another word until you've had something to eat suitable surroundings play an important part in the discussion of such cases and suitable times and seasons also just before dinner one isn't sanguine and just after one is too much so when you have eaten take time to reflect and a cigarette if you are a smoker he had been holding his book in his hand all the time but now he pottered to a side table with an old man's stiffness peeped at the paragraph he had been reading marked his place with a paper cutter and muttered very strange for if she didn't steal the jewels who did mustn't dip though spoils it he put the book down and returned to me taking off his spectacles as he came and smoothing his thick white hair 
now don't say a word if you've read it he cautioned me i always owe everybody a grudge who tells me the plot of a story i'm interested in but let me see what was i saying oh take time that was it there is nothing like letting yourself settle if you are at all perplexed when the memory is crowded with details the mind becomes muddy and you must let it clear itself that is the secret of my own success in any difficulty i have always waited don't try to think much better dismiss the matter from your mind altogether make yourself comfortable in the easiest chair in the room get a rousing book the subject is of no importance so long as it interests you and in half an hour if the physical well-being is satisfactory you will find the mental tension gradually relax your ideas begin to flow your judgment becomes clear and you suddenly see for yourself in a way that astonishes you then pray oblige me by resuming your seat and cigarette i answered and let me transfer my difficulty to you while the moment lasts your moment when you have dined he said good-humouredly i won't hear a word while you are famishing tell me how you are yourself and what you are doing my dear boy it is really a pleasure to see you why aren't you married now really do you expect me to answer such an important question as that with my mind in its present muddy condition i retorted upon him my many reasons are all rioting in my recollection and i can't see one clearly the old gentleman smiled and sat patting the arms of his chair for a little you're looking fagged he remarked presently work won't hurt you but beware of worry my dinner was brought to me on a tray at this instant and the dear old man got up to see that it was properly served he tried the champagne himself to be sure it was right and gave careful directions about the coffee his interest in everything was as fresh as a boy's and nothing he could do in the way of kindness was ever a trouble to him you have been coming out strong in defense of morality lately i remarked when i had dined you have somewhat startled the proprieties startled the pruderies you mean he answered bridling the proprieties face any necessity for discussion with modest discretion however painful it may be well you've done some good at all events i answered i did not tell him but only that very day i had heard it said that his was a name which all women should reverence for what he had done for some of them well he said the clergy have had a long innings they have been hard at it for the last eighteen hundred years and society is still rotten at the core it is our turn now but come draw up your chair to the fire and be comfortable well yes he went on rubbing his hands i suppose eventually morality will be taught by medical men and when it is much misery will be saved to the suffering sex my own idea is that a woman is a human being but the clerical theory is that she is a dangerous beast to be kept in subjection and used for domestic purposes only married life is made up to a great extent of the most heartless abuse of a woman's love and unselfishness submission you know when i had given him the details of evadne's case 
so far as i had gone into it he asked me what my own theory was i feel sure it is the old story of these cases in women i answered the natural bent has been thwarted to begin with yes he commented that is a fruitful source of mischief even in these days when women so often listen to the voice of the lord himself speaking in their own hearts and do what he directs in spite of the church the restrictions imposed upon women of ability warp their minds and the rising generation suffers but how has the natural bent been thwarted in this case i have not ascertained i said she is a woman of remarkable general intelligence but she makes no use of it and she does not seem to have any one decided talent that she cares to cultivate and consequently she has no absorbing interest to occupy her mind no purpose for which to live and make the most of her abilities she attends punctually to her social duties but they do not suffice and she has of necessity many spare hours of every day on her hands during which she sits and sews alone i suppose a woman's embroidery answers much the same purpose as a man's cigarette it quiets her nerves and helps her to think if she is satisfied and happy in her surroundings her reflections will probably be tranquil and healthy but if her outward circumstances are not congenial she will banish all thoughts of them in her hours of ease and her mind will gradually become a prey to vain imagings pleasant enough to begin with doubtless but likely to take a morbid tone at any time if her health suffers this has been the case with evadne with whom sir shadwell interrupted with my patient i stammered i have been accustomed to hear her spoken of by her christian name humph the old gentleman grunted enigmatically she has one of those minds which should be occupied by a succession of lively events all helping on some desirable object i proceeded the mind of a naturally active woman well he answered it seems to be another instance of the iniquitous folly of allowing the one sex to impose galling limitations upon the other it is not an uncommon case so far as the mental symptoms go how does she get on with her husband does she contradict him no never i answered she is always courteous and considerate ah now i thought so he chuckled a happily married woman contradicts her husband flatly whenever she thinks proper she knows she is safe from wrangling and bitterness i think you will find that the domestic position is the difficulty here you don't seem to have inquired into that very carefully i made no answer and he looked at me sharply for a moment then asked me how old my patient was twenty-five i told him twenty-five he repeated and you are intimate with both her and her husband now have you ever had any reason to doubt her honesty her verbal honesty of course i mean quite the contrary i answered i have always found her almost peculiarly frank a woman may be accurate you know in all she says of other people he observed but that is no proof that she will be so concerning herself i know was my reply but i feel quite sure of this lady's word 
and during the time that you have known her she now confesses that she has suffered more or less yes she mentioned one interval during which she said a new interest in life took her completely out of herself what was the interest i did not ask her she fell in love i suppose and you happened to know the fact i neither know nor suspected such a thing that was it you may be sure sir shadwell decided when a young and attractive woman who speaks to her husband with marked courtesy and consideration instead of treating him familiarly talks of having an interest in life which takes her completely out of herself you may take it for granted almost always that the new interest is love it is more likely to have been the smallpox epidemic i rejoined and then i gave him an account of that episode ah well perhaps he said we are evidently dealing with a nature full of surprises he pursed up his mouth and eyed me attentively my dear boy he said at last i think i see your difficulty you had better turn this case over to me altogether thank you i answered that is what i should like to have suggested then send the lady up to town and i will do my best for her End of Book 6, Chapter 14